So I've been here in Austin for uh, three days. I've learned a few things about myself. One, uh, I have concluded that I do not like European food. I just like I'm <laughs> all not of it, it, the like, entire continent. And listen, I don't want to tell people how to live their life. If you like European food and you're all into that, I have no judgments. That's fine. You do your thing. But I just like I have people. I think I think I'm I'm grossly generalizing and being cruel to make a joke. But uh, there's two types of European food. One, meat and uh, gravy or cream, whatever, cream, you know, they don't okay. call it gravy. And then two, if you don't want meat and gravy, you can have gravy and meat. <laughs> and that's pretty much what you got. And that's it? And there's like, now, now, on the side, you might have some really tasty buttery bread. You can have some good cheese, but I mean, the main meal is always just basically going to be like some cream-based thing and meat. But is it like France, the home of like incredible cuisine and people are like... Champs-Élysées or whatever, yeah, eating yeah. and drinking I mean, wine. I, mean, okay, so I thought the, it was like like the the place to, for people to go yeah, eat and do yeah. nothing but eat. I mean, I appreciate that. Like I said, I mean, they have fancy food. They got all their Michelin stars. Now there is that one place. Uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, it said it's in Cotre, which uh, doesn't mean anything. That's just the side of a cow. But uh, it's over there by the uh, the Le Meridian Etole and kind of where the big conference center, where lots of conferences are. And that place is good. It's a steakhouse. They serve one thing. They serve uh, French steak and frites, right? <laughs> now, that's fine, but I don't know. Is steak a European food? Mm, I, you know, I, I don't know. And it's also, food, you know what they put on the meat? Gravy. Oh, <laughs> everything. Now, now, that's good. They don't call it gravy. It's a nice cream sauce. But no, I mean, there is good European food, but uh-huh. it's just like, I'm not into it. What did you have? Like, give us your meal since you've been back here in, okay, in Austin. Okay. What, so, did, what did you So uh, I concluded that because I, not to be all boastful, but I've lost a lot of weight. Uh-huh. And part of it is I've consciously been paying attention, but I've also been realizing it's because I don't really like the food. So I don't like eat it a lot, right? Whereas I come back here and what I discovered like uh, yesterday, I went to uh, Tamale House. I've been hanging out with my mom and because... She's my mom, and she lives here. Makes sense. And, and I had two breakfast tacos, drowned mm-hmm. in salsa, of course, and some chips and guacamole. And, like, I didn't eat anything the rest of the day. <laughs> like, that food is so heavy and, like, big that, like, you don't need to eat much. And I used to eat, like, two of those meals a day, right? And so I think, like, that – and so I've had, I've had breakfast tacos a couple times. I had some barbecue from Black's. I think that's what I've had. I don't think I've had a, uh, a, a dinner taco situation. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's been great. Well, just so you know, I just wanted to, my son and I, you know, the other day, because we were scheduling this, I said, hey, he may, you know, Mr. Cote may come over on mm-hmm. Thursday night, but, you know, it didn't work out. So, so he asked, he's like, well, you know, what, like, where is he? Like, what, what's he doing? And so I, was, I said, well, what I think, my guess is Mr. Cote is probably eating a lot of tacos mm. and uh, barbecue. Yeah, so exactly. So I feel like... <laughs> <laughs> that it's been mission accomplished that yeah. you've done oh, totally you've done exactly what i predicted yeah, so yeah. uh yeah the only other thing the only other like austin thing is i did is let's see i i of course got some coffee and uh is that my car let me go check real quick all right now i get that car situation under control i rented this chevy cruise it's like red that's a nice car it has that thing where the motor turns off when you're idling <laughs> yes and it's got uh, the Apple CarPlay. That oh, CarPlay no. is like finally 
that I'm exactly a huge fan. What you would think. A car play, like yeah. it has actually gotten to the point that like I don't care anything about the actual car around it. I just yeah. care that car play exists. It's, it's like what Horace Deju said several years ago: is that cars are now accessories for your iPhone. It, it, this is true. <laughs> I've actually I know there's a new version of Android Auto coming out where they may actually just build it right into the car, and that would yeah. be the best. Where you just like pull in and download all your podcast or whatever. Just yeah. it's just hooked up, and you don't even have to. But yeah, CarPlay. I think Huge I think fan. unless it's like uh, unless it's like search email or Kubernetes, I don't want anything from Google. <laughs> That's it. You're done. You're done. I, I want Google on my back end and Apple on my front end, like like a like a mullet. <laughs> That's, that's, <laughs> that defines all of the software industry right there. <laughs> well, so anyways, the only other things that I've done is like gotten some, like I went to Pacha's over there on Burnet mm-hmm. or pa, I don't know if it's Pacha's or Pacha and they have a Pacha latte, which, which is pretty good. And then I did some clothes shopping and of course I went to HEB and I've just bought a whole passel of stuff. Yeah. And Target, right? You said, you yeah, yeah. To Target I, I think I've show. been to Target three times and HEB three or four times. And that's so interesting that you come back and like, you know, you just. You know, obviously they have all of the stuff in Europe in yeah. one way or another, but it's like, hey man, something about home, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they don't. They, you could get all of the stuff, but like, I bought three bottles. Well, my mom did a lot of shopping for me. Uh-huh. I, but I got three bottles of like Crystal hot sauce, and I got four pounds of masa, and I just got like twenty of those, you know, whole wheat butter tortillas they have at HEB. Right. Those will keep long enough to eat. Okay. And you know, did just, you get like what did like uh, each? What did your kids? Were your kids like, Dad, bring back something? Oh well. What was the thing that they I don't wanted? think they listened to this, but my kids wanted s'mores makings, so okay. I got a bunch of graham crackers. Nice. Again, my mom did. I got a bunch of graham crackers and the large marshmallows. Uh huh. Because they don't have. There's two things they don't have in uh, the Netherlands. Well, among other things, but two things that are surprising. One, they don't have chocolate chips. That just is not a concept. Hmm. You can buy these little chocolate shavings that you would use. I'm going to say right now, business opportunity. Someone needs to crack that market open. And then two, they don't really have marshmallows. Like that's not really like a thing they have. So I I don't know what... That seems right, though. You know, marshmallows aren't really a natural occurring in any way, so it it does (laughs) seem like an American concoction that, like, probably should not be spread. You don't, like, mine them in Paraguay. Yeah, I mean, I think we're one for two there. Chocolate chips, definitely. That was a perfection. That's something that we need to give to the world. Marshmallow is probably something that (laughs) the world should take from us. Like, it's like, what is this? (laughs) Yeah, so we got, they wanted the s'mores making. Okay. And, of course, they wanted Legos. Legos? You know, oh, you got, before you go, then I'm taking you upstairs. I'm just going to load you up. Just take take a pile of these back. No one will notice. No one in my house will notice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and then, you know, my son's birthday is coming up, and then there's also Valentine's Day, yeah. and so I got I got some Lego kits. And then, of course, when you have two kids, you can't just give one gift. you got to give two gifts, yeah. which is totally cool. So, right. you know, I got some stuff here and there. But that's, that's pretty much the highlights of, right. of my Austin time. And, and then also I did a bunch of clothes shopping. Or for me, a bunch. All right. Well, I think we should just do a quick plug for the like, hardcore fans of Software Defined Talk. Follow us on Instagram, and maybe later today, there'll be some pictures right. of the Cote's, Cote's triumphant return to Europe. What does he take back? Now, now, before we move on from this topic, notably, I don't think I'm going to make it to Costco. <laughs> I did bring, I don't know where my card is, but I brought my wife's Costco card, so I could go in there, but I just... We can do it. I can, if yeah. you need to, we, we can swing by after we finish yeah. recording. We'll get in there and... I don't know. What do you want? You know, I really, you know, I really, twenty pounds of ribs. I just something just crazy. Around. Just That's, walk around. Feel I do it. like their St. Louis ribs. Well, but yeah. I'm telling you, I ate these tacos and I can't eat more. Like I'm gonna, <laughs> it's gonna be like midnight. Austin well, you're really. I mean, you kind of undersold it there. Move to Europe, lose weight. I mean, that's not a bad. That's a pretty good situation. Yeah. I think people yeah. would be happy about that. Yeah, yeah, but it's nice being back here. I mean, one, the weather is really good right now, so it's. 
that makes things nicer. Yeah, no polar vortex down here. No, no. Oh, but it's also not hot as hell, right? Like that's that's, also that's nice. more of what I was thinking of. But yeah, you know, I grew up here, so it's it's fun. I like this morning I woke up at like five a.m. Mm-hmm. and I just like drove around visiting <laughs> old neighborhoods and stuff like that. But it's fun. Right. It's, it's nice to, to see what's well, going Well, what's on. the full the, the full tour is, what, two years? So you've got a couple yeah, years yeah, left? Yeah, yeah. In, so uh, I think I've been there since August. So what is that? That's six months? Yeah. Yeah. Transition's going well, though? Family's yeah. adopted? Everyone's adopted? Yeah, yeah. It's well, fine. Good. I mean, every now and then, uh, my, my son says, Cormac says he's homesick. But, I mean, not like homesick like he's going to be a gothic eight-year-old. <laughs> but he's... Uh, He's fine. He's fine. He'll get yeah, over yeah. it. Everyone loves it. It's, it's a really good city. This week's episode is brought to you by Plastic FCM. Now that Michael Cote knows there's more than one type of version control system out there, there's little more Plastic SCM can do as a sponsor of Software Defined Talk. As you all already know, Plastic SCM is a full version control stack designed for branching, merging, speed, visualization, and ease of use. Plastic is perfect to implement task branches. Our favorite pattern that combines really well with trunk-based development, DevOps, Agile, Kanban, and many other great development practices. The t-shirt promotion is still on at plasticscm.com sdt. You just have to try Plastic for free and complete some simple steps. You'll also learn about MergeBots there, the last mile automation product for version control. However, if you feel lost when it comes to version control, like Kote was in his years as a developer using SVM, just go read our Plastic book. It is not only about how Plastic SEM works, but also about how to become a better software developer by mastering version control. Read the Plastic book at www.plasticscm.com book and get your t-shirts at plasticscm.com sdt. And of course, please tell them your friends at Software Defined Talk sent you. Well, they were there. The I was just commenting that the the uh, the infrastructure software news has been very boring of late. <laughs> nothing, no conferences, nothing happened. I think everyone's like uh, starting their uh, their their FY and CY 2019 kickoffs. They're flying into their things, doing their sales things. Yep. I had an email from someone we were planning out longer term stuff, and they're like, "I'm I'm just all in this uh, this KO this kickoff." So maybe that's why there's nothing happening. People are like brewing. I see a lot of people on Twitter though posting about the sales kickoff was great. Mm-hmm. It's always great. No one's ever like sales kickoff was bad. Yeah, they no, got no, they got that uh, they got was some sports ball person in to be like, you just got to get your head in the game and you just confidence. There was some, there was some motivational speaking. The uh-huh. roadmaps. Yeah. There were some roadmap slides. I saw some of them flying around Twitter. There was some conversation about. Saw a lot of good roadmaps. People are excited about their products. It's like it's it's like a season. It really is. It's like a sporting season. Everybody is very optimistic yeah. on January one. That's true. You get some ex Navy SEALs in there talk about kicking down doors. Making beds, you know, yeah. people love that. Making, Making beds. beds is like the way you end anything <laughs> with. Like you just talk about. You just bring it back to like some like. Because that's a great way to close any type of motivational speech. Something like, and you know what you got to do? Get up in the morning, make yourself breakfast, and get ready for the day. And it's just like that's like a ten thousand dollars speech right there. It's just yeah. like you end on something like that. There should be a twist when you get one of those X seals, and they'll be like, "Do I make my bed? No, because I don't sleep in a bed. I yeah. sleep on oh, the even concrete. better, right? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> even better. That's right. Beds are for closers. Yeah, there is no bed. <laughs> but there were a couple of. Uh, I don't know. There's the usual like Facebook and Google thing. Now, what was what was with that is is Facebook had a VPN. Yeah. So the news here was, uh, you know, Facebook originally had this like VPN app that they actually had in the app store that essentially spied on users is how 
Apple described it and kind of, and they used it for research to see what people were doing. Mm. Well, so that's why we Apple have said, ads. We're uh, just researching. That's right. Yeah. A- Apple said, no, you can definitely not do that. So what they mm. did was a big no, no is they, from what I can tell, like, you know, reskinned the app, called it Facebook research, and then they released it. But this time they used uh, the enterprise certificate. So those that have never, ever, never done this, like you can build apps just for your company. And then you have to like deploy them using these internal uh, certificates, but there are a lot of rules. And, that, and yeah. kind of the, the idea behind it is like you want to test out your apps before, you know, you put them in the app store and you, you don't. Um, and that's sort of like, I think the, um, if you will, the spirit behind it. But what uh, Facebook did was they just like, you know, essentially use that mechanism. And then they paid people between the ages of I guess, 13 and 35 to put mm-hmm. the app. I think it was like $20 a month to run the app. And they called it research, but which essentially was the same way. So they were circumventing the system and then using uh-huh. the certificates uh, as a way to do it. But I guess the the response was pretty harsh because um, Apple didn't just turn off like that certificate. They turned off all of their private certificates. So like any app uh, in development. It cut or, off their internal stuff. And too. then, of course, it turned out Facebook had a bunch of internal apps they just used for their like HR and stuff. And I think <laughs> there was some funny quote about it. I guess their like, lunch menu. For their, it was on one of these apps. So that was sort of, uh, I think, the tweet that made it around. It was like, oh, the Facebook employees can't see what's for lunch today. Yeah, and, yeah, then, yeah. and then Google, turns out Google was doing something similar. And so they shut down Google. But so, it looks so, like, as of today, Friday, uh-huh. looks like Apple has sort of like, Google has quickly rectified the situation. It looks like they're back. But uh, it looks like Facebook and, you know, Facebook and Apple, I don't know. That that's, doesn't yeah. seem like that's going well. That's like yeah. a relationship that needs to go to counseling. There's going to be some... Some uh, <laughs> some hard fought uh, uh, meetings going on there. Yeah, they need, they need to go read that language of love book. What's their What's their language of love? I don't know. I think I think today most people at Facebook are probably you know either being given Android phones or are converting. Of course, oh, yes. I don't know, but they have to like. I don't. So I guess you know it is kind of an interesting thing because it's it's all about like you know, we talk about lock in all the time, right, and all these different things, and it's like it is sort of mutually assured destruction, though, because you know if Apple you know takes this step like. Clearly, Facebook could take some steps to lock Apple out. And then, of course, Google, right, it sort of controls all the information, all the different searching. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's – um, someone else made this point, or it's been made a lot, is that, you know, the idea of the open internet, right, like kind of like, you know, permissionless internet. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So we go back to like, you know, maybe when we start, you know, way back in the day, like AOL, right, it was sort of a walled garden. You yeah. know, we went through this period of like, you know, total openness, and now we've recreated some walled gardens, and it's like, I don't know, like, are we – is this good or bad? What's happening? Yeah, yeah. What was the the guy who like has the credit for spreading RSS and outlining? I forget. That's a shame. I Weinberg or Wein, uh, Wein, Wein, Dave Wein, Yeah, there you Dave go. Weiner? I, I think I think that guy and Cory Doctorow are probably just just dying a little bit. <laughs> They're not happy. Open internet done. Right? Yeah, and it, and it is sad. Yeah. So so wait, the VPN was targeting sixteen to thirty five. Yeah. No. It was, it was they were paying it was a specific people, demographic. Yeah, thirteen to thirty five year olds. So you know 13. the way you know the uh, well thirteen right, not surprisingly, and they paid is, them like twenty bucks. As yeah. Well. And so there's a lot of stuff about like can so if you're between the ages of thirteen and seventeen, you had to consent, right? And you're you had to have parental consent. But there's a lot of questions well, right, there. which is probably a screen that said. Yeah, you're probably you, their parent. Right. Click here. Yeah, and it's like so there was some debate amongst you know various journalists like can <laughs> like a thirteen like. Can kids this age even can they even consent? Like, can they even yeah. like? Because your point, right, about like, like everybody knows they're just clicking through this stuff, right? So, so that was one question. And then, you know, I think, I, I mean, you know, where Facebook is coming from? They just, you know, kind of like back to Instagram. What's that? They want, they don't want to be like we talk about all the time, strategy and innovators dilemma and all stuff like that. So, like, 
I, they're coming from like, we don't want to miss the next big thing, right? We want to basically yeah, see yeah. with data what people are doing. So you understand that need, but you know, at the same time, Apple's got all these policies and then, you know, then it's just kind of back to like, do users even understand, like when you paid these people 20 bucks a month, did they even understand what it is they yeah. were giving up? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, one of the podcasts I, I listened to is uh, do by Friday with the usual <laughs> crew of people and they, they were complaining about it and I don't know you know, they make it all seem kind of slimy and whatever, but it's one of those things where like, I always think like, uh, you know, I don't really have that position of like, you should have known what was happening. It's more of just like, well, you assume there's too much good in the world. (laughs) Right. And like, like the, uh, they, they did raise a good point about all this stuff, which was just like, how, why does, why does Facebook think they can keep getting away with this stuff and the answer might be because they do keep getting away with it right like right like there hasn't so far so far as i know been any catastrophic privacy thing that has made the company go out of business or really like anything mm-hmm. <laughs> right so and their earnings i mean it's good, yeah, you know, it's yeah. good to say their earnings this week were like beat expectations so financially they're uh so i think there's always a couple things like one i think this is just a popular topic to talk about because technology is so much a part of our yeah, lives. Yeah, and then like also everyone uses Facebook. So. Yeah, and everyone uses it. So there's, I think that's important. And, but I, I think, you know, the broader thing that I think a lot about security is like, I've obviously worked in that area before and I know a lot of people in security, but, you know, in every security presentation usually starts out with like a couple slides of like, here are the latest breaches. And they're always like this unbelievable amounts of things that have been breached. But, you know, what I've kind of come to believe is that, you know, it just, it just doesn't matter, right? Like, there was, like, a big Equifax thing. And I think some people lost jobs. But Equifax is fine. The company is fine. It's not, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I guess it's just, you know, while it's fun to talk about, like, unless there's some kind of, like, like I don't know what you would call it, like, historic. Like, I always like, talk about, like, an attack, like, where, like, no one can log into the bank. They're, like, literally, it's, like, unclear, like, if anyone has any money. Like, barring something like that, you know, like these breaches are just a part of life. People just don't yeah. care. And I think the same thing around um, this this data privacy thing, right? It's like until something, and I don't I don't want this to happen. Until the data is used in such a way that it affects, you know, fifty million or a hundred million people, and it's obvious to like what it is. Like they suddenly like no one can get healthcare because this data tells you know insurers that they're like not yeah, qualified yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah. Something so catastrophic that the system resets. It's like. Because I think, you know, it kind of comes back to everyone's busy, right? Everyone, and it's like, yeah, yeah you just kind of live with these um, kind of known risk. Yeah, you know? and I, I think there's it's, there's plenty of things to stress out about, especially if, uh, I don't know, your your family wasn't comfortable with your sexuality and, like, it was, like, you didn't control telling them about it. And, I yeah. mean, there's all sorts of things like that, which, I mean, don't get me wrong, that's all fucked up and terrible. Uh, yeah, but it is, I don't, I don't, we need, we need a better morals of, we need something beyond the uh, not what's his name, Sun Scott, who's just like you know, privacy is dead. Right. Like that's fine for like you and me. Like what do we care? Right. right? Like we're we're king of the hill. But uh, I don't know. We need we need something that like uh, I don't know what it is. Well, this is the whole right. This is the the raging debate. It's like you know, many people would say, well, that's like governmental regulation, right? Oh it's like yeah. When, yeah. When an individual is not really in a position to like be thinking about all the time, right? In theory, right? This is like the the good side of government. It's like, hey, well, let's put in. Let's, yeah, like, let's we have an entity that thinks mostly about the citizens and yeah. the laws, right? And obviously, Europe's been way ahead with GDPR. And I don't know. I think there's like mixed results of like 
is that a good thing? Is it a bad yeah. thing? Is it? But like they're making an attempt, right? And, and yeah. over here, it's in the U.S. It's kind of just it's still kind of the wild west, right? It's like yeah. I don't know. Um, so I don't know. That'll be all of that going forward. Will be really interesting to see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, also, I don't know if it's brought to you by because I don't think they paid us any money. Except they have, we have an ad swap with the rest of development. That's right. right. Don't let everyone in on the secrets. But listen, listen. It's genuinely, it's a good podcast. I, I, I think you should go listen to <laughs> and it. And it's good people that we know. And you even worked with a lot of them. That's right. So. And, and I think they probably are not going to talk about Facebook. They might mention it <laughs> obliquely, but they're actually going to discuss like technical DevOpsy stuff. Yes. So if, if you go, just search for Arrested DevOps. You can go to ArrestedDevOps.com. There's a double D in there. How do you feel about repeats of letters and domain names that always makes me feel a little iffy i don't know you know it's so hard to find a good domain name do what you got to do yeah i mean it's inescapable when you've got a name like arresteddevops.com but i always i always feel i always feel leery of that but anyways you got like three main hosts doing it and they interview people all the time i think i've been on uh, once and uh, we're still i don't think we've actually sat down for this but i think we're still workshopping our uh we're each going to do i think a, a fanfic version of the other podcast yeah. at some point is yeah. that right that's that's the plan okay all right so maybe maybe if you listen to both podcasts you could start writing to us to suggest which character each of us should play because i think you got three main people there you got three main people here so we're going to need to map these roles and, and figure out which one is which yeah, do that. We need someone on that. Yeah, that seems yeah. an important we task. We need to get that. So anyways, when you're done with this, you should, uh, and your ear holes are empty, you got to go over to uh, arresteddevops.com. It's two Ds in there. Or you can look it up wherever you yeah, are. Yeah, search for your favorite that. podcast player. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's a few other things, like I think uh, our friend uh, Tasty Meets Paul. He's been writing a nice series about spring and Kubernetes, which mm-hmm. is fun. So it's, it's fun to see him connect... Uh, the Kubernetes layer up to the application layer and how, how you do things there and, and how you work that out. I just saw him in Charlotte earlier this week, doing good as always. Mm-hmm. He got to, uh, if you saw on Instagram, he got to go help cook for the, uh, down um, at the Capitol here, or oh, the nice. governor's mansion, because I think the Australian, um, what do you call him, ambassador was in town. Now, I asked him, I was like, Paul, is, do they just have a list? <laughs> Like <laughs> they just you know, call you like, they just like the, the Australian ambassador comes here and he's like, you know, I'm not going to do an accent, but he's just like, you know, get me all the Australians. <laughs> it's kind of like a sales call. You're in the neighborhood. You're just going to pull hey, out. Come your, on uh, by. Right. Let's your, see what's going yeah, on. Yeah. You're going to pull out your Salesforce lightning app and just like make some sales calls. But he was like, no, no, he, he actually knows the person who was catering it. Oh. And so that's how he got in. Got it. But I like my version of the story better. <laughs> There's just, just a list. Keeping tabs on all the, the citizens. It. But uh, anyways, so he's got a good series of posts uh, that, that I'll put, we'll put a link to in there. And there's a few other things, but I think in the spirit of there not being very much great news, I think there's been a couple posts, uh, a couple write-ups that are basically the area of like, uh, one of them is, is a positive version of it, but, but let's, call, uh, let's call it enterprise software sales sucks, specifically enterprise infrastructure software, right? Because I think, so when you had uh, Luke Kniez, uh, sort of um, founder Emiratus, Emiratis, a puppet, if you yeah. will, a, uh. a puppet. And uh, he, was, he was writing down kind of like the, I think to, to summarize it, I don't think he used this phrase, but how the, the sort of infinite loop of, of bi-directional Stockholm syndrome makes enterprise so- inter- infrastructure enterprise software sales uh, difficult. And then there was, um, I feel like I read a more extensive post of this, but there was an interview with Martin Casado, who was the... Uh, um, the CEO of what was the name of his networking company? It's just NSX now. It, it's some name like Nitira or right. like 
something fancy. A lot of vowels in the name, right? Yeah, yeah. So he, his company was like the software-defined networking. That was back in an era where we came up with the name for That's the right. show. That's right. Uh, the SDN company that VMware bought. And, um, you know, I'm a little biased being in the Dell Technologies family, but man... That was a good acquisition. That, that NSX stuff is like built it's into doing well. everything, right? Like, I don't really know that. I think they mentioned the revenue in the quarterly calls, but like, it's, that was, that worked out well, I think. Good. That's how, that's how part, of, part of how we power the Pivotal Container Service. Oh, or very PKS. nice. Very nice. Anyhow, so I think, I think we'll start with, with Casado's thing because it was the, um, <clears throat> negative is the wrong word, but it was a less sad Sad as in it brings sadness, not sad as in it was poorly executed. Right. Uh, it was a less sad complaint here. And that was basically, uh, I'm going to cast this all in my way of thinking about it. I, I think that and 100 million is probably too low nowadays, but whatever that, 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 that uh, area is, I always feel like most software companies, most startups, especially enterprise ones, I don't know about applications, but in infrastructure, there's like this $100 million revenue line that they hit. Right. And then after that, and it might be more like 50, but I feel like 100 is you can kind of coast on your, by this time, you're going to have your second series of executives, right? You're going to have fired, you know, what's, I think you came up with this. The first person you fire is the, uh, the VP of sales, <laughs> the VP of sales yeah. then you fire the VP of marketing, right. then, the then you fire person. the CEO. Yeah, and CEO. Uh, uh, the product people are wily. Like it depends, it depends if the product people have gotten really flashy and yeah. they're in your face. Or if they're just the nerds yeah, that don't talk. I think that's that's really true. And I think because, I mean, really what's always not said there is like you don't real as long as the engineering group is, is generally delivering yeah. what was expected around the time, that group you usually don't touch. Right. Every other group just rotates. So, so at, this, at this, this sort of at the, uh, at the precipice of the chasm that Casado is talking about, let's call it the $100 million cliff. Or what's the opposite of a cliff? A gulf? <laughs> a gully? A canyon, a like canyon. the Grand there Canyon. You yeah. So you're you're at the you're at the hundred million dollar canyon canyon because really, who knows how to spell chasm? That I don't. I think we should get rid of that word from the English language. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically, you're on at least your second round of your executives. You've torn through all of them, and like the the whole nature of the company and your sales process, I think, drastically changes once you get past that. Like one, even if you've gotten really lucky, and this is only your third or fourth year, you basically have a whole stack of renewals you got to go through. So. All of those uh, awesome promises that you made two to three years ago better have fucking worked mm-hmm. because your, your, uh, your, your subscription's coming up. And not only are you going to want to sign up, I mean, if you sign up for the same amount, that's a failure. You're going to need to sign up for, I don't know, what would you say, 20, 30% more? Like, yeah. You're going to have to right. grow those. Plus, you're going to get your new accounts. You've expanded out of North America. Or let's, as always, let's be serious. When people say North America, no offense, they <laughs> mean the America. States. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right? So you're, if you're expanding out there. You're trying to figure out what, what the fuck is going on in Asia, right? Like, we don't have a Matt Ray to sort that out. Yep. So it's a very difficult time at this $100 million area. So I think getting past that point, if you even got to that point, is difficult. And I think what, so going back to, uh, to Casado here, or Martin, I don't know if, He's, pr- he's from the West Coast, so it's probably uh-huh. a first-name basis people have with him. Uh, you know, I actually presented with him once in Madrid. He's, he's a good guy. He does good presentations. So now I can proceed to poke fun at him. I good. can establish the, the thing. Uh, but, like, he was pointing out that you, you kind of, you reach, when you fall down into the chasm, if I remember what he was saying, essentially you get stuck in this loop of, like, doing a lot of work to, like, penetrate 
it's just a terrible word, but to get inside and know the right people in the IT department and sell to them. And you're kind of, you start getting in this kind of servant relationship where you're spending a lot of effort and time getting them signed up and you haven't really uh, made that process efficient. Now, I was trying to read, reread that to verify it, but that's what I remember him writing about. <laughs> and it really is like this, uh, this goopy trap that you get stuck in, like flypaper. And it's hard to like not... It's hard to like rise above that because I think a lot of what you have to do is, and and I've seen this at companies over the years. Like you have to, you've got to resist the urge to make easy money, right? Like because you, you can throw a lot of your sales engineers and post and post sales people at it to stand things up, but if your product like needs a lot of help to like get up and running, you're going to get stuck in this trap where you're you're basically doing. Uh, PS work, professional services work without being paid for it, <laughs> which, which is just going to like chew through a ton of your, uh, your time and money, which, you know, that seems like uh, what's down there in the chasm uh, or the canyon. Yeah, no, I think, you know, it's interesting when I was reading through, uh, I guess, Luke's, you know, kind of his write-up on like, his, his fight with enterprise sales. And I think, you know, there's a lot of interesting things. A lot of it's his take, right? But he has this line in it that I, I want to read. It's just, uh, it's pretty simple. And it says like, you know, the biggest companies buy the most software and well, the biggest companies want to be sold a specific way. Right. And I think yeah. that's where it comes down to. And I think this idea and I, I, you know, and cause I think most of his posts to summarize a lot of it is, is that, Hey, you know, products lose focus on what the end users really want. Right. And over time, right. It becomes the, they get designed around selling and the further and further they get away from actually people using them. And this is why, um, you know, the metaphor, like the scroll bar, right? Like suddenly like you have a list of like 5,000 things and like it's, you have to click through uh, like some pagination, right? Yep, to see yep. what it is. Like we've all seen software like this. And the reason is, is that part of selling it is just like making that look good. And like nobody that's like building it or selling it is really looking at 5,000 datas, yeah. uh, rows of data, looking like 50. And they yeah. just never, so it never comes up. And, but his point here is, this is what I always say is that, you know, um, we can all be frustrated by that, right? But, like, there is this acceptance of, like, if you want to go where the most money is, you're going to have to sell this way. And, like, there's a lot of Andrews and Horowitz podcasts. There's a lot of books written about it. And there's, you know, kind of this idea that a new set of entrepreneurs, you know, start up a company and they're all going to be like, we're just going to, you know, uh, do some, like, download or now sign up you know, and, and subscribe. We do bottoms up. Right. And it's like, it's not that it won't work. It's that they all are going to face this decision when they get to a certain size of, if I wanted to continue to grow, right. And I want to add another $10 million of revenue. It's like, I can either go find 10 customers to give me a million dollars. Right. Or I have to find like a thousand customers and that it gets harder and harder to churn out that next thousand customers. And this is why everybody has presented that. So, you know, another way to answer this question, sort of like a corollary to like a lot of the open source discussions we've had is like, if you model the business from the beginning, predicated on like we're not going to get this big, so that means you got to take less VC or no VC or other forms of of uh, raising capital that don't put on the pressure. Right, that's a way that you can kind of stay, rel- you know, within a, a revenue range that would support you. Right, yeah, but as soon yeah, as yeah. you cross over, and you know you've taken, eight, you know, fifty or hundred million dollars, like. The only place to get the return on the investment is these large enterprises, which is going to drag you into these sales. Yeah, cycles. yeah. That, I mean, so so one, uh, you know, as part of our uh, software defined talk lore, I'll, I'll bring up the story, the anecdote once again. I remember the the exact lighting level of that room we were sitting in long ago, <laughs> where you were basically like, "Cote, 
The big giant company that pays us money wants three types of security. So stop your jibber-jabber about a permissioning system or whatever. We're going to have three groups called A, B, and C. That's right. (laughs) And they're going to have this exact thing that our big customer told us, which, you know, you're always a good product manager, totally the right call. So we implemented that in like a week, done, right? And there's millions of dollars. But And then later on, you know, it's interesting. I wouldn't call this an – it's not – an MVP. Maybe it's like monetization. Yeah, we like needed product. the money for yeah. that quarter, right? So like yeah. we implemented this architecturally uh or design and software design absurd thing. But then in the next release, we, we survived. We so it, we right? actually implemented the more elegant one and then we basically remapped those static groups into it. So anyways, that's an interesting pattern for enterprise software. Um anyways, uh what was I gonna say? Oh yeah. So that's another thing that, and, and, and Casado talks about this, how basically you're either a bottoms up sale or a tops down sale. And yeah. eventually, if you want to get uh, more money, you got to start at the top, right? You go up the elevator instead of down the elevator, or whatever bullshit terminology people in, you know, boating sports jackets use. Uh, but I think, you know, maybe that makes me think there, there, maybe there's a theory that you could have, which is to say a rule of thumb that successful infrastructure software companies figure out how to do both right like it seems like like let's look at red hat vmware i guess ibm would be an exception but it's not like they've been doing great recently uh so vmware red hat uh i don't know those are just two to pick maybe there's other ones Mm -hmm. and and docker might be a counter example i don't follow docker business-wise very much but both red red hat red hat has bottom and tops down sales right like you can just go download it, right? Yeah. And so both both individuals and VPs and CIOs are into it. So you can sell into both. And I think VMware is in the same position. And both of them started as basically bottom sales, right? Like VMware, as I understand it, like sold to QA, then developers, and then it slowly built up to taking over the enterprise. And, and Red Hat was very similar. And so that seems like the challenge that you have if you want to become a, a, a big person, uh, enterprise software company is somehow sorting out how to sell to both of those, which is very difficult, right? Well, but I think there's, you know, there's two things in there. Sometimes I like to separate. There's the, like, product itself, Mm. the actual, like, product delivery and usage model, and then there's the sales go-to-market model. So I generally believe, like, if possible, you want to design every product uh, humanly possible. So it's kind of like, you know, you know, single user, download, try and buy, get up and running. So, you know, you don't need to have the consulting group there with you, right, to get get it using. Uh, because yeah. that, that even if you're a pure enterprise sales, that even helps with, like, your sales engineers or your QA or just everyone learning the product. It doesn't become this magic thing. Like, anyone can get it up and running, right? And that yeah. that has benefits for, I think, either sales model. Now, I think what uh, Luke and his thing talks about is then, like, there is this choice, though. Even, you know, when you're getting a product and, and, and you, even if you add features, right, you could add like AD integration to a very simple product and that may be an enterprise uh, feature. But the question will come down like, how do you want to sell this, right? What do you yeah, want to do? Yeah. Do you want to hire a bunch of sales guys? Because uh, that go-to-market motion, as people like to say, is it's more expensive, right? And it's um, definitely – and then, of course, like you're bringing a whole other set of people in the organization. Now they're going to have opinions. They're going to be a sales QBR. Yeah. And the sales QBR, there's going to be a lot of feedback. It's generally not going to be like we're not good at selling. It's going to be something like, hey, you know, this product is missing these features, and this is why we're not selling, right? And then 
this organization now has to deal with a whole nother set of feedback, right? Just like, well, is it you know, like, is that valid feedback? Yeah. And, it, and it's never to mean like the people don't, it's not like people are like making it up. It's, it's this is the important question is this is like, is what they're saying important to the broader customer base, right? The fact that like mm. this one specific feature, like, you know, like we kind of like, like to make fun of Slack because of their like, you know, sign in procedure, but it, it's really, I mean, what I think they could say is like, I mean, I think they can rightfully say, guys, it's not affecting adoption. It's annoying. Yeah. But you know what we want to focus in on is like making the messaging faster and you know whatever yeah. some other set of features. I'm sure their product manager is like, thanks for your input. I've got a flight to catch. Yeah, and he's like, I've heard that. <laughs> and he's, they've kind of made this some calculation where it's just not worth the time right now. Yeah. And it's things are fine. But I'm sure that the, the guy that comes back from selling Slack, you know, uh, the, the rep comes back from a very large corporation is like, yeah, they really want this authentication stuff. And it's like, that's true. But like that isn't, you know, once you get it set up, you never use it again versus like, when you type messages in Slack, you want it to be super responsive. You want to be able to say what you want to say. You want to be able to format it. Custom and that's, emoticons. That, yeah, whatever. All that kind of stuff is like sort of the fun stuff to use. And yeah. so, you know, you kind of see that going on. So I think that's what like, I think Luke points out in his thing. It's like, well, you know, how do you treat sales? And then there's sort of like the theory of it. But then every organization of people is much different. Like, is the salesperson probably really persuasive? Probably, because he's in sales, right? Is he, <laughs> does he command the room? Does he tell the board of directors a great story? Like, you know, and you're fighting with that. Like, these are, and that, that he's put, or he or she is pushing her agenda, uh, and vice versa. Like, the engineering manager is pushing the agenda. So, they have to sort all this stuff out. And yeah, it yeah. kind of comes back to, like, something we talked about before. Like, it's people, right? All of this is, like, the people's the problem, right? Where it's like, well, you know, what's going to happen? What should we be doing? So, I don't know. I think that's the big the big takeaway is like you can have the product go to market but then you got to have you know oh, your organization model too your, your sales motion yeah i was i was with one of our uh one of our our uh i don't know more rock starry can you say the word rock star anymore <laughs> uh sale, sales people uh andrea out of houston and uh, i was talking with her and like you know i i, I always like hanging out with her because it makes me appreciate a lot of what you're saying it's like she's just really good like she knows everyone. She's happy with them. She wears awesome shoes. Like, she's just totally like uh, the person from a vendor you would actually want to be friendly with. <laughs> and like, and and you know, she sells big like multi-year things. She works at Pivotal, and so like, um, she understands that like you just show up, right? And you don't be an asshat. You're just as genuine and open and helpful as possible. And uh, you know, I think I think also going back to Luke's thing, you need people like that. Because I think one of the most incisive things he pointed out, which I don't know, I think we all know, but he made it very explicit, is like the core, maybe let's say top three things. One of the top three things that a good enterprise salesperson does is they know all the feuds going on in, in the business. And they, yeah. they know how to like mediate the feuds or avoid it or do this, that, or the other. And like that is really like... Um, that's kind of one of the chief things at large enterprise software sale scale that you basically end up doing is being like, we got, we got this person over here and that person over here and they don't like each other. So you can say this to that person. You can't say that to this person. And like over the next three months, let's slowly build up so that they both win. And then we got to deal with procurement. And I mean, basically you're always, I don't think this is entirely accurate. Like I'm not in sales, so what do I know? But I think basically what you're always doing is you're trying to find, of course, the person who can sign the check, right? I mean, ultimately, who closes the deal. But you're always trying to gain and then maintain the benefit of the doubt, right? Yeah. That basically, I can go talk to someone, and they're not going to do 
exactly what I say at all, but they'll listen to me and they'll take seriously what I'm saying. They won't think it's just a joke. Right. Right. And then, then what you can do is you can bring in your whole, um, your whole like friendly rainbow squad of people like myself and others to be like, Hey, yeah. this, this shit's awesome. Right. And here's proof that it's awesome. And if you have that benefit of the doubt across the organization, people will actually consider it. And, you know, you can rely on analysts and other stuff like that to bring that benefit of the doubt for you. But I think, and I'm putting this in a positive version kind of, of what Luke was saying is like that, man, that's not what you want to do if you're basically rewriting blade logic. Yeah. You're just like, I want to rewrite blade logic. Well, I think it, it sucks. I don't want to like yeah. work I, with people. I think this is where like the technology side uh, and often the product people just get frustrated, right? It's it's like, hey, you know, the belief is like the product should just sell itself. They should be easy yeah, to yeah, use. People yeah. should just download and try it. And it's like, you know, it's it's kind of back to his quotes. It's like, that's not how large corporations work, right? That yep. They want people to come out. And of course, like they're getting inundated with lots of different information. So somebody that comes out that is easier to work with, that's just nicer in any way. You know, it's just like, it's like any other interaction. You're like, you don't spend all your day like downloading and trying all the products. You're like, you're taking sales calls. And, and it's like, yeah, if you're a little bit easier to work with, then, you know, I'm, I am going to call you back. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think, you know, it, you can go the other way too and think about like, like as you're building a company, like, you know, most of the time, uh, like when you're interviewing sometimes, like for different jobs, like I think there's the technical interviews, which are often like, you know, maybe like do a little coding project, send in some sample code, right? Or like write some pseudocode, right? Or like make a presentation. Uh, like, no, I was going to say. a fun one. Well, I was going to say like that's, that's sort of the technical side. But if you're not interviewing in that side, right? Like one of the most common things, right, is, is in almost any position other than like actually developing. It's like, well, could you uh, send me a PowerPoint, right? Or could you... Um, or could you come in like, Hey, here's a scenario. Like, I would like you to like, here's a scenario like, come in and like put together a set of slides and show me how you would, uh, convince a customer or communicate with a customer or handle an escalation. So, so, so much of these interviews, like it is never, almost never outside of an engineering position to like come in and show me the product. It's always just assumed that like, Oh, you learn that. Like you'll figure that out, or like we'll we'll get over that. What's really important is that you have some like slides and some way to communicate, right? Yeah. So, so I think a lot of times when people like get frustrated, it's like, well, just look at your interviewing process. Like, look what you're asking for, right? And and you know that's that's maybe as, as simple as way to, to to stop this. If you really don't want that, don't hire. Don't ask. Don't try to hire a bunch of people that you think are good at PowerPoint, yeah, right? Exactly. That's fundamentally it's it's yeah, you're if, going if, against what you're you're, you're saying if, you want to do. If you're sick of bullshit PowerPoint meetings, maybe don't interview for that. <laughs> <laughs> right. That, that, and I think for most of these places, I bet you go, it's like the vast majority, that is going to be what, oh, what they want. Oh, speaking of that, I was talking with someone uh, recently, uh, and they confirmed that the six-page Amazon thing is very real, and, mm-hmm. and that you do have appendixes, right? Yeah, but, but that's what I've always, I mean, I've, I've been told that many times too, but I've heard that the appendix can be infinite. Oh, so, yeah, 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 So it's yeah. like the... But, but I, I mean, like it always, uh, the idea that you're going to spend the first 15 minutes but they of do. meeting, they actually do meeting it. like just seems like... It seems like I, as I always joke, the idea of pair program where people are like that sounds wonderful, but no one. Yeah, or the agile there. stand up where no one stands up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And but but it, it uh, they actually do that, and uh, it's so. Let, and then let me ask you what you think this is. Uh, another phrase that's come up recently, and this phrase is always negative despite so- sounding good, <laughs> is that it's a consensus based organization. So what does that mean, Brandon? What is when someone says? Oh, it's a consensus-based organization. What are, what are they? What are they? I think saying? they're just like I just think that's a word just for like bureaucracy, right? They're just saying this mm. is a oh, that's th- good. This I like is just that. a synonym for um, we have a lot of people here. There are various stakeholders, and to get anything done, you, you know, really requires you to like yeah. meet with all the stakeholders, 
do like two or three, you know, Dude, that's totally roadmaps. Spot on. So then, basically, whenever someone says consensus-based organization, you should replace it with bureaucracy. Yeah, I mean, they're just trying to tell you. I mean, obviously, context is important here, but um, that would be one way, in a good way, a company. Like, if someone yeah. said that to you, if they're trying to tell you, it's like, we are more of a bureaucratic uh, place. So that may, you know, that's our big hang up for you, or you're not going to yeah, like that, yeah. then, you know, that. And now sometimes it's like, you know, it's hard to, it's really difficult to like elicit like the other side. It's like, no, we're, we're not really like, we have an ideas. Like I was at one place, I wasn't working for them, but there was a VP. I was in a meeting and he said the following, he's like, you know, the strategy is the strategy and the strategy is not changing. Right. And it was like, and you're like I've, sitting I've there. I've never heard that. And you're like, <laughs> you're, and I was just like, wow. It's like, you know, it was interesting. Someone said it's like so directly, right. In a meeting, yeah. I was like, cause it was like a little heated at the time. And I was like, so, you, you know, so I was like, so I remember, I remember hearing it and I remember like kind of sitting down like, like, whoa, could be in the wrong place here. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, you don't really know what to do, right? You're like, and you, no one will say that. Yeah. Like, um, cause I've often wondered like, you know, if you really were interviewing when you're interviewing, like what you really want to see is like, Hey, like after like they've said to you, like, will you come in and do like an hour long PowerPoint? And you say, sure, no problem. What I need to see then after that, I was like, I would like to see, um, I want to see the last 300 email messages from each one of you. I want to scan them and see like what you're, awesome. what you're saying, right? Because that would give you essentially like what the culture yeah. is, right? Like it's like, okay, um, because people really – like if someone would say that up front, like, hey, the strategy is strategy and we're not changing here. Like that would give you incredible information about like should I join that place. Yeah. Now, just hearing it out loud means like, well, who – I mean – I think some people would take the job if they buy into it, but a lot of people would be thrown off. So like, I think it's very hard. The other way where I was going there is like people will use like consensus or we're kind of slow, slow moving, but it's very hard to, to like elicit like this is a like direct is the best you can get. Like sometimes people be like, we're like a real direct, you know, we're like a real direct communicators. And that, that usually means like, like, you know, the emails are late at night and they're yeah. like one liners and they're coming at you like all day long. And it's, um, but that's, it is, I don't that, find there is as many I, as code words to like un, unearth. Like I think what a good that probing is. question. Didn't the hedge fund guy, what's his name? Ray Dialio? Dialio? Yeah. Like, like when you're kind of just casually hanging out in, in the dead time to be like, oh, have you read this book? By, and, and if people, if more than two people say yes, probably not a place you and me want to work. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, that sounds awesome. High octane. Don't want that fucking Yeah, like shit, if you ever right? see like, like an Ayn Rand book around, yeah. you just like you just walk out. out. You're like, I'm like, I am out. Yeah. I am 100 percent out. But it's you know, it, it is funny. I mean, I've you know, I, I, it's always wondered though, like, like would people be like, I got, I used to get these emails. Um, every once in a while, I get so, you know, all these different emails I've gotten from different executives. Like when I got said something like, you know, uh, I was working in product management at the time, and you guys like, he's like, we don't have time to talk to customers. We need you working with engineering, and you're like. And you're like, you read it. And you're like, I saved it. I remember saving it. Like, just, just to remember this day. It was just like, <laughs> I was like, yeah. Like if you had said to this, like during the interview, like I wouldn't be here. Like, this is crazy. Like, I don't, but you know, like, I don't know what questions to, to ask the like, yeah, yeah. um, cause they always like so serious about it too. They all, and you're like, wow, this is just, this is just nuts. So, yeah. so it is. I mean, I think, you know, kind of back to all these things, Dove, we may bring back to, to our earlier discussion. It's like, you know, there is, I understand the frustration. Like I, I, and I think we all are consumers and consumer software is totally different. There is mm. no enterprise sales. And I yeah, think yeah, yeah. in a perfect world, you go to Costco, you buy that 20 pound <laughs> bag of ribs or you don't, there is no enterprise sales. And I think we all want to live in that world. But you know, if, when you want to sell big software, it is, unfortunately, it is just, you know, yeah, a function yeah. of, of the world that you, 
that yeah. you have to talk to all these people and you have to go to you have to do all these PowerPoints. And using your Costco example, right? There's always those people giving out samples, but let's be honest. It's either like the uh, the what's the brand they sell that that's got that the sausage where it has that happy guy with the beard and the hat on. <laughs> and it's like the chicken apple sausage. So they're serving that and you're like, I already know what this is. I just want some sausage, right? <laughs> that's right. Or they're selling some they're selling a, a commodity thing that you already know it. Or there's some other thing you take a bite and you're like, that's bullshit. I don't want that, <laughs> right? Like, so it's almost like, unless it's just a commodity thing that they're giving out at Costco, if they're giving out samples, it's a weakness of the marketing of the product. And there's exceptions. Every now and then something comes around. Well, I think just the new products, the stuff you've yes. never had before. Exactly. That's the if place it's a brand it new, it's the, yeah. the, six, the first six or 12 months of the product's existence. Yeah. You just, you just got to advertise it. But like, in general, it's just like, you know what these are? Pretzels. <laughs> I know about pretzels. Yeah. These ones are in the shape of a hexagram. Well, I, I often feel for the people giving out samples, uh, the new product samples, especially at Costco, because yeah, yeah. uh, I always think, like, clearly they didn't bring a lot of kids into, like, test the samples <laughs> because, um, because, like, a lot of times, like, you know, me and my son will, like, we'll just do, like, a run through. Like, we'll hit all the, you know, yeah. all the snacks. And, like, there were the, one time they were doing, like, these energy bar things, which we, he eats. And I was like, all right, well, like, you know, I, I really was. I was like fully like I was procurement. I've already signed off. I'm like, sure. I was like, yeah, <laughs> we, we have, have a, we have a EULA. <laughs> yeah, we have the, we have statement of work. Funds have been there. I have the credit card ready to go. And so I was like, so, so first thing he gave was like peanut butter. And like he just bites it. He just, I guess it's kind of bitter. And he's just like, you can see on the face. And I was like, well, that's I looked funny. at the guy. I was like, I can't do it. And he's like, he's like, well, you try this other one. That's great. I'm like, all right. Gave it to me. It's the same reaction. I was like. I mean, there's not, I mean, again, it's yeah, over. Yeah, like, there's yeah, nothing yeah. I can do. It's back to your idea about, like, trialing stuff. And it's like, listen, if the kids don't like the Costco sample, you're out. I mean, there's, totally. like, you need to move on. Go to the Whole Foods. Go somewhere else. You're not selling it here. Yeah, and then there's always the, there's always, it's, there's always the person who's uh, demoing the, uh, the Ninja Blender. Mm -hmm. And that, that's, that's a good metaphor for, like, software pricing, where basically that conversation is, all right, is that Blender $50 yet? Nope, I'm out. Right, like I'm not spending no three hundred dollars on a fucking blender, right? Although like, I will say I have a Vitamix. Oh no, 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 they're good, and I love it. J just like I'm sure, if you're all into like supply chain, you install some SAP or Oracle, and that shit's awesome. But no, it's just, no, that I don't believe. <laughs> that I don't believe. The hey, Vitamix, I, mean, you, I believe. Yeah, you know, it. you know, it, it's just like the price, the pricing on the blender is just like, what? <laughs> why, why would I do this? I could for three hundred dollars, I could burn out. How does that math go? I could burn out six blenders. Over the course of five years, and I'm basically even, right? And then I also am saving that I'm doing a more Net present value. financial stuff that yeah. I'm not like sinking my money now. You, uh, you know, I will say that I've that seen the Vitamix guys. The I saw I I was I almost I was had like a team at the time. I I, I almost had this moment where I was like, hey, it's like we're all gonna watch this guy. Uh, a Vitamix guy like demo this blender because it was fantastic. It was the the way that he because he had everything that he yeah, had. He's like, like check he had out the, this this rolling upgrade. Production does not come down. No, but it's incredible because he went like from the fruit smoothie to uh -huh. the dessert to yeah. the healthy. Like he had every single persona. Like he built something for them, right? Oh, and it's nice. like as you're watching it, and he is like he's so good at doing it. Is is that he's of course, like the secret, right, is that he has like all the ingredients for all of this right in front of him. The blender, of course, works anywhere. But you don't – rarely at your house do you have like, oh, I have the mangoes and I have the like the chocolate. You don't have all the stuff, right? Yeah, but like yeah. as he's doing it, and I was like this the, – the way he was connecting you know, functionality to like value proposition, I was like this 
This, my friend, this is how you sell a $300 vendor. And I think I did buy one. We should try to hire that. Yeah, it was. You were kind of like, this is the guy that, I mean, when you're doing a software demo, it was. And sometimes you see people do it, um, like really, like some people that are like live coding when they can like be talking about it and live coding it simultaneously. I know you, you guys have a good guy and Pivotal does it like, cause it really gives you the illusion that like anyone yeah, can yeah. do it. Right. And then you're like, then later on you're like, you get in front of the keyboard. You're like, well, what was he doing again? And I, I would like to amend my previous statement. We should, we should either hire that salesperson and or the marketing person who came up with that. Show. Yeah. I don't know like, who did it. Right. What, yeah. The combination of the two I'm sure is great, yeah. but behind every great sales pitch is either a genius salesperson who does all their own work mm-hmm. or a marketing organization that's figured out your, your stock value product. That's true. This is very true. I don't want to, I don't want to insult the marketing people. Yeah. I know they're lot, fine. They're I know okay. Lots of great marketing None of the marketing people are listening. So I, I have two more things to mention and then, and then we can uh, wrap up so I can catch my flight as it were. <laughs> I got a, I got a lot of bags I need to weigh, so I don't. I'm not executive platinum on Delta or the oh, Sky Team. I oh. have made gold though, so big. You're not. You didn't. You didn't use a little American Airlines coming over. What's I up? flew. I flew American from Charlotte to Austin, which okay. was which was. Um, so you got a little like coming home a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it was nice. I I did have a moment on a plane where I was like, ah, oh, welcome home. <laughs> I'm I'm on a uh, I'm on an American flight. I didn't get upgraded though, which was kind of oh, kind of uh, that's sad. They should have known you were coming. I know. I know. Anyways. Uh, so on, on Sky Team, I am gold now. The, there's, there, and, and flying blue, there's only silver, gold, and platinum. Okay. So I'm the mid-tier, which means you basically get everything. You get everything except free seats. It's, so you still have to pay like five euros for, you know, the, I don't know what a centimeter is, the 20 extra <laughs> centimeters of, right. of leg room. Uh, and the way upgrades, I don't think there's upgrades on KLM, I think you use miles to buy upgrades. I find that system very mysterious coming mm-hmm. from America land. It's very straightforward. Anyways, what was I saying? You're on an airline. You, uh, you're flying around. I totally forgot my train of thought there. Oh, I got to get going because uh, I can only bring 50 pounds. That's right. In, but I can check three bags. I'm no executive platinum where I can bring 70 pounds. Okay. But I think it'll be cool. So anyways, there's two things. One, I always have in the back of my head, like the whole conversation we just had, one of the causes of all those problems is that you've got to make billions of dollars as a software company, which yeah. I don't know, not to be, you know, vegan clothing optional co-op person <laughs> who now talks to the likes of Halliburton and others, but like, um, like what's wrong with like a hundred million, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, and, and, and that re- like, just coincidentally, I saw that WP engine here, they recently released that they make, they make 130 million, yeah. right? Which and my old high school friend, I used to play Dungeons and Dragons with Jason Cohen. Yeah, I think he's the CEO of it. And he is not. Heather is oh, the CEO. Okay. He, is, he was at some point. He was, but he stepped down, and they have like a whole the whole story. How, shows you how closely I followed no. that. But whatever. They, yes, but I'm he's sure still involved. I, yeah, he's still they got, involved. They got their name on a on a building down uh, by. It looks Rwanda good. They're doing well. The WordPress is working. Yeah. So one great example of making money off of open source mm-hmm. by running it. You got WordPress, they probably modify it. Simple as it gets. Yeah, they probably have, let's call it uh, Open Core as a service, right? Like they're basically running that for you. And then two, it's like, you know, 130 million. And they probably, I bet they make a good profit. Like, because if you set that business up correctly, like Mm -hmm. the margins on it might be like not too, I don't know, they actually are pretty good. So that kind of business, when if it's survived, usually has pretty good profit. And like, yeah. 130 million. But I'm, so, I'm but, sure they're like, like, so what would you cool. have done? So go back in time. Maybe we should yeah. have Jason on or some point because he's done, he actually did, um, there's some he product. Did Smart Bear. And then way back when in high school, he did some, 
he did two things. He did some sort of awesome JPEG compression that he like. Wow. I think he might have patented, but he sold to someone. And then, and then, like all young developers in their twenties, he wrote his own software, his own program. Bug tracking. Right? He wrote two of his own programming oh, languages. Wow. That I think one of them was called Salsa, and the next was Chips. It might have been the other way around because <laughs> you know he's an Austin boy like me. But why not? Yeah. yeah. Well, that was interesting because I think it is smart. I mean, one, he. Um, He's, he's active in, like, I think, giving advice to entrepreneurs. So there's, like, a podcast. I'll put it in the, uh, the show notes. You can go listen to it where he's, like, you know, he, he does uh, – but he, he seems to be self-aware around, like, causation, first correlation, right? Because, you know, yeah. there's a lot of – like, he'll mention there's, like, he's you know, really people, smart about people say you should do all this stuff, but I don't know if there's any evidence of it. So he has a lot of that, which yeah. is kind of interesting. But I think, uh, as I recall, uh, WP Engine, I think they, they sold for, like, $250 million to the private equity, silver – Oh, right, right, right. Uh, Silver, so, Silver Lake? Silver, yeah, Silver Lake, not Silver Lake. Yeah, the big one, the Silver okay. Lake. And so, um, so it's always, like, that would be an interesting, I don't know, he's still there, so obviously he's still working. So I'm sure, like everyone, you're like, things are great, it's going great. But it would be interesting, like maybe like 10 years, because he, he, he sometimes talks about Smart Bear that way, like kind of what well, what didn't. And, like, yeah, so, but it would be really interesting to like, know like why ultimately they decided to sell that. Yeah, and that. if they are owned by a PE firm, my story might change a little bit more because the PE firm is going to want to burn money to build them. Well, no, I think this is the, off. I mean, this is the part you just don't know unless you're there. Yeah, it's like, because yeah. sometimes it's, they want to grow. Sometimes they just want to like profit. I guess and, you could uh, also just extract cash. From extract them. cash, yeah. right? And so, but it would be really interesting to like see his thought process. No, wait, hold on. I mean, do you think there's a third option that the PE firm just like, oh, I just like this company. I'm going to let it run. <laughs> No, that you have to be a newspaper. <laughs> you need to be a newspaper. Uh-huh. And you, there's two things you can do. You can be a sports team or a newspaper because mm. that attracts people who have billions of dollars that will just buy it. And for the most part, like they just want you to win games or like publish really interesting yeah, articles. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, if you're uh, in software, no, no, they, they, there's no option of like, we'll just leave it alone. <laughs> Not that I know of. Never. Yeah, you got to make that capital work. Yeah, there's no, there's capital no like, well, sleep. you know, guys, why don't you just, just keep doing what you're doing? You know what? You guys do what you want, right? You know yeah. what I mean? So, but like in a newspaper, that's always like the first thing that comes out. It's like, they bought it, but they promised. Can you imagine like a software? It's been purchased. But the owners promise not to be involved. In fact, they set it up such that they can't even be involved. But in a newspaper, that's how they always talk about editorial, right? It's like, that's a completely different group. We don't even talk to those yeah. people. Uh, but Works software. Works out really well for journalism. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and of course, that business is just doing great now. So yeah. there you have it. And, and then the other thing is just, I'll, I'll mention a uh, verbal link. So uh, over on Pivotal Conversations, uh, when I was in Charlotte, I did an interview with my, uh, you know, one of the, the great things about the job I have is I get to I get to meet new people and get make friends out of them. And uh, so one of my friends in the pivotal world, this guy, John Mitchell, who works, uh, I don't know, he's, he's, a you know, VP of making shit happen uh-huh. <laughs> basically over there, or I don't know if he's a VP, whatever. And, uh, he works at Duke energy and I went to catch up with him and they had just built out many million dollar worth of like, you know, wood flooring innovation lab. Like a lab. Yeah, yeah. That had like, yeah. it must've been like eight or 10 teams of people. So it's like actual doing stuff in their business. But so there's an interview I had with them that it, you can go check it out at soundcloud.com slash pivotal conversations. But I think what was more interesting going back to your strategy thing is in that interview, he describes the process they've come up with to bridge between corporate strategy and actual teams working on something. Right. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting, um, back when me and Provoker used to work at in strategy, we were always thinking about how would you apply like lean startup think 
to corporate strategy? And the answer is generally you wouldn't, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, but, but it's kind of a missed opportunity. And to hear him describe how they do that, basically, uh, corporate strategy does, you know, they're going to corporate strategy, as they mm -hmm. say. So that's fine. They can do their thing. But then they come up with some theories of what to do. And there's this other group, I think he calls like the journey teams. And they basically do apply kind of a lean startup thing. Like they take the idea and kind of prototype it and like see if that strategy is actually a thing. Right. And if it's not, then you kill it off. Right. Right. I assume you kill it off. But if, if, it, if it works, then you actually go and do it. And so it's this interesting thing of I think it's rare that strategy is validated before yeah. you execute it, right? Like you spend totally. so much time on strategy that the strategy is a strategy. Yeah, strategy, <laughs> right? and it's not changing. And, and, and so, and it's but, but it's nice to add this step where it's like, well, why don't we see if these if this PowerPoint slide actually runs and compiles, right? And like, so I don't know. It's it's, it's interesting to listen to how uh, they've gone through that. And he goes through a couple examples, but uh, I think it's uh, we'll have to have him. I mean, I'd like to hear like in a year or two, like to see how. Yeah, because uh, I always find that. Well, I originally talked with him back before software defined interviews was software defined interviews. Yeah. So there's if you go back. Yeah, no, I think year. I know. I've heard it. It'd be interesting to because um, I've just found that like you'll get a lot of heads nodding. Yeah. In like like as a broad idea that this is a good idea, but like I've always had probably like people actually doing it or also too like this because a lot of times that group becomes like the incubator group or the yeah, technology yeah, group yeah and like there's like a runway of like i don't know 12 to 18 months where the stuff happens and then it's like oh we gotta get rid of this group it's costing too much money or something but it's yeah. as i've said many times like you know validating the strategy because it, it is it's, it's uh the old bike shedding thing it's like mm. it's much easier to just green light a 30 million dollar project that promises to deliver 100 million dollars in yeah, five years yeah, yeah. And it's just nothing but PowerPoint and yeah. maybe one Excel spreadsheet, right? It's, it's like the and, fallacy, the fallacy of pre-sunk costs. Yeah, right? it's like people are just like, yeah, do it. And but if you go in and you're like, you know what we need to do? We need to take three guys off to the side. In six months, we need a prototype to see if it works. People are like, mm, I don't think we have the headcount for that right now. So uh, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I mean, so if they're doing it. Kudos to them. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, you should check that out. All right, all right. We got a little bit of hyping to do here. I should, right, by it. we, I should say I. All right. So first of all, we have a discount for DevOps Days Minneapolis. Now it's August 6th and 7th, but you know how it is. I think, you know, you got to plan around the school schedule. It's good to plan ahead of time. And uh, it's, it's one of the better uh, DevOps Days. And we'll probably see there. some friends from Arrested DevOps there, but uh, I bet right. you. Maybe so, all of them. Maybe yeah. all of them. So you we'll, should go to that one for we'll sure. We'll see. We'll see when we do our Arrested DevOps cosplaying, how, how that pans out. But if you want to get $50 off when you register right after you listen to this, you do it while you're listening to this. You just use the code SDT2019. And then also, uh, well, I've already been in Charlotte. I'm going to be in St. Louis uh, week after next for the uh, Spring One Tour uh, thing in St. Louis. There's also a meetup I'm going to be in Chicago if you're interested in that, uh, I think the 14th. Oh, you need to go by and see our friends in Chicago. Uh, give, give a little talk at the school. I need to hook oh, you up yeah. with that. I'm going to get you set up with that. Oh, yeah, so. I forgot about that. I mean, I... I since we talked about it, I remembered it, but yes, that's right. Yeah, all right. Cote is going to give a Cote didn't know it. he's going to give a talk to some students. Yeah, all right. Hopefully done. that'll work out. Uh, but we had, there's there's a code that you can use for all these spring one tours basically to get either fifty pounds or uh, you know fifty dollars off. And if you just go to uh, oh, I always forget this URL. See, we should have called it Spring Tour. I mean, Spring One Tour. You know, I'm. I love my company. But if you go to springontour.io, you can see all the places we're going, and there's plenty of them. And uh, I don't know. There's also a bunch of meetups I'm going to be at. You can go to the show notes, which is uh, at softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 164. And there's all sorts of exciting things uh, you, can, you can come uh, check out. So do we have any, uh, any feedback, any reviews? 
Any any meta administrative information, Brandon? Uh, not much this week, you know, mostly because I was busy doing other things. But of course, if you want a t-shirt, and I'm actually going to maybe see if Cote has uh, extra weight available, Oof. I may give him a couple t-shirts so that if you find him in Europe, uh, he may give you a free software defined talk shirt. But if you, uh, if you are so kind, write us a review and then send me your name and postal address and what shirt, uh, uh, Shirt size you want, which needs to be large or extra large. So, don't. <laughs> and I will send you a, a free T-shirt, and uh, and they they're very nice, and and we're supplies are, are very limited now, though. As uh, as every week goes by, one or two kind of make it out the door. Have you noticed any new uh, any new reviews? Let me check in as as I'm talking. Also, as always, you should join the Slack channel. I was reflecting recently that I used to do a lot of uh, what did they call that link blogging. Have a link blog. Yeah, yeah. I, I I used to do a lot more like uh, saving links and stuff, which I do a fair amount of. But I think my primary place nowadays is to put it in the uh, the topic backlog in the uh, software defined talk uh, Slack. Which, oh, I saw JJ in the airport. How's he I, going? I, I, he was great when I landed here, uh, as as I always do when I'm in Austin. I, I feel like I'm still in the expensing zone, and definitely this time since I don't live here. And I go over to the Juice Land on the. Uh, That'd be the east side of the airport, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Uh, so I went over there to get my juice, and sadly, they have changed the ginger shot to some sort of uh, some sort of bullshit with applesauce. That's or apple disappointing. Juice, which and it's got tum- I'm cool with turmeric, but it's just like no, I actually just want ginger, right? I don't want to have like whatever. But I got that, and I got the um, and I'll tell you what, I always ask them to put pecans in. You know what they do, and they never fucking put them in. Wow. So next time, I'm going to be like Joe Pesci and Lethal Weapon 2 and be like, don't fuck me at the drive-thru, right? Like, I want, I want the <laughs> you pecans want the in here. Like you, you can tell the difference. So I'm walking away, and I hear someone say, Cote, and uh, it's JJ. And uh, yeah, he seems to be doing great. He doing his a, thing? A he's evangelizing the world of IBM? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's probably he's, what I've He's out heard. there like bringing the, the Kubernetes gospel to people. That's so good. I think, I think he's, doing, uh, he's doing great. Now, I tried to open iTunes, but I got this new computer and uh, it had me agree to something. Still trying to check out if we got a review. I'm sure we did. I'm sure the reviews are great. So uh, keep them coming. Thanks for doing them. Most recent. This is this is good material. Oh yeah, we still have uh, CD Thompson one. So that was a good review. Uh, so I, I think that's pretty much. We all should the- give everyone a little bonus too. Like, hey, if you want, if you are so inclined, leave a question in the review. Oh and yeah, we'll, yeah, and we will answer it on air. That would be good. All right, it's another good one. All right, so uh, what do you have to recommend? All right, so I've got a uh, this week. You know, I've been working my way through trying to figure out my, my digital library management. Right, so I stumbled across this uh, service that was originally recommended on the uh, Accidental Tech Podcast ATP. So it's called Movies Anywhere. So this is how it works. Ah, except you know, anywhere as long as you're in America, right? Which is fine with me. But what it is, is it lets you like uh, link up your digital locker. So what that means is like iTunes, Google Play, uh, Walmart has this thing called Voodoo. And so if you've bought, for example, a movie on iTunes and you link up your accounts, your Amazon and your iTunes account on Movies Anywhere, what it will do is it will automatically make that movie available in Amazon. So suddenly mm. it's like buy the movie anywhere as long as it's a participating studio. And then it will be automatically available in any of these other services. So, you know, my preferred service generally is iTunes. But, like, for example, really? maybe you have, huh. like, a TV, and the TV just has the Amazon app. And you don't have, like, your Apple stuff. Or your family doesn't want to use that. They just want to use the built-in apps. Well, just, like, link your Amazon 
uh, account and then boom, it's right there in your Amazon. Or mm. maybe you've, you've got Google Play content, right? And you want to watch it on your iPhone. And so, so it's sort of just magic, you know, and I, for me, this is, uh, you know, like an identity management, you know, there's always this idea of like linking accounts and Man, all this kind of to, stuff. I should try to sign up for that while I'm in the U.S. You need to do it. You, have, go over you have four there. hours to do it because once it's there, it's all just, it's, yeah. it's there. And it's great because like um, you can just have all your movies in, in any of the different ways you want to play it at any time, huh. which is uh, tremendously Now, you know convenient. what would be choice is if it, it uh, worked on Amazon itself. So when I bought a movie, it shows up in Kim's account. And right. That was, yeah, see, you see, you're reading my mind. This is another way to go because like, for example, in this house as we sit here today like we have like the itunes and we have the apple tvs and that works pretty well the shared content so as soon as it gets the movie not only becomes available okay. to me okay. but then it's immediately available to my family who's used to like surfing so around i would be the itunes guy and kim would be the right. amazon woman yeah and so you get it all together and then finally everyone can have it and of course and i think so i think it's just it's, it's one of these services that like you're almost like how could this possibly exist like yeah itunes Google, Vudu, which is Walmart, and uh, I'm forgetting a couple others. So it's like kind of wherever you buy these movies, you can yeah. like have it in one location. Huh. That's a good uh, – I mean, I'm no Ben Thompson, but that's a good Netflix killer. Well, I was going to give you – and here's one other little bonus thing is that now Vudu, which is like the Walmart digital lock- locker, I discovered this as well. They have what they call disc-to-digital service. Whoa. So, okay. So one – I, forget, I failed to mention one of the benefits of movie anywhere is like maybe you're at the Costco or the Target and you find a very inexpensive Blu-ray, right? Or maybe it has a digital download. But it's in the past, that would just be available in Vudu. And you're like, I don't really use that app. No. Now what do you do? Grab the Blu-ray, redeem the code in Vudu, boom. It goes, and then that movie's dumped into iTunes huh. and Amazon. So, so suddenly, like you know, cheap Blu-rays with digital downloads are like oh, actually. You could, you could be a real asshole and just go to like Goodwill and not even buy them. Absolutely. So, codes. absolutely, if they have it now. This other thing, so that's a you know, because a lot of times Blu-rays now come with the digital code. All right, but then the final part of oh, this, this is extensive. Yeah, this is the final end here. So, to your point about going to um, to uh, the Goodwill or just maybe you have a bunch of Blu-rays at home, right? Or, or DVDs. So Vudu has this thing called Disc to Digital. What you do is you just scan the back of the, the barcode, right? And then if it's a Blu-ray for $2, pay them $2, they will give you the digital download. So now let's put it all together, everybody. You're at home. You got this Blu-ray. You do want to watch it. You scan it for 2 bucks. You link your Vudu account to Movies Anywhere. So for $2, that movie is now available in Amazon, in iTunes, in all the places you want to watch it. And so you know, hopefully you can and use it's it forever. like the UPC code. Yeah, the UPC code. So, so you could run uh, off of one disc, you could run an infinite amount of buys on it because that UPC code is not unique. I don't know. This part, I, I would not care. recommend that. I, don't, I, I do not give I think the advice. way once you've, you've, uh, you've done it, I don't know. This is the part I just, I don't know okay. what they're doing on the okay. back end to like, to like say, because not all discs, right? So it's like certain studios allow you to do this. But, but when you put it together, because it's like, well, I have all these DVDs and Blu-rays and some of them, you know, like you're, you would like to actually have them like in iTunes and stuff like that. So wow. disc to digital and then for DVDs, same thing. Take a DVD for $2, they'll give it to you in standard format. And then for $5, they'll actually upgrade it to the digital format. So again, so if you have a bunch of DVDs, and I think this is probably great for like young, if you have young children that like yes. to watch the same shows over and yes. over, where you're like, okay, I have the DVD of like whatever, um, you know, some kid's movie. I'm going to just pay the two bucks or the five bucks. Wow. And then, and not only is it going to be available, it'll be available to however they want to watch it. If they're like an iPad kid or a fire kid. So, so anyway, so that's a, this is a long review, but movies anywhere link, 
is there and then disk to digital is there. So, so try it out, figure out how you can convert your digital, your analog library to some digital uh, library for yourself. Wow. You know what I say is like, fuck flying cars. This is the future we were promised. <laughs> Amen. That's right. That's amazing. Yeah, well, I've got like a three or four hour layover in Atlanta. Maybe I can finally sign up for that because I tried signing up over there in the Netherlands. Doesn't and it, work. And it was like, ha ha, you're not an American. And I was like, but I am. Yeah. I am an American. I don't know how it's going to, yeah, once, yeah, if let I'm, me know. If I'm spending $5 trillion on the military every year, why can't I watch my fucking movies? What am I even doing that for? Well, let me know. I get, you can report back. Like when you, if you sign up in Atlanta and then you get across and you get home, like does it still work there? I mean, it should, right? Because it's a back-end process. I think once you get the thing, once you get it it all linked, and this is the part I want to know. Once you get it linked and the movies propagate, if you will, or the rights, I think it should work. It should work wherever you are. So let me know They would have to be wicked clever. I mean, I guess you could encode a region in this. Anyways, anyways. All right, follow up. Hey, another reason to listen next week, guys. All right, we'll give us a report. I'll keep my recommendation short. It's in the same vein is uh, on the flight over, uh, long flight, not as long as going to Sydney or anything, but on the flight over, uh, I watched a couple movies, and one of them, fine, I've been holding off, and finally I was like, I run out of movies, fuck it, I'm going to watch this new Predator movie. And? Right? And I had only had like maybe one drink, right? <laughs> so, and it was a good movie. It was like, I think, I think if you had, you're like, I have a bachelor's degree, and I'm like a citizen of the world, and I you know, have compassion for us having a good culture, this would be a terrible movie. But, like, if you're just like, I just want to watch a movie and, like, not think about Facebook. Like, it's a great movie. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, like, fun. And, and the whole premise, it's, I thought it was going to be a remake. Uh, but the, it's, as, as with so many of these, what would you call them, a franchise ex- extension or something? Franchise, like, movie franchise, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It actually is, like, a brand new story. And it even happens after these other movies. And, uh, yeah, it's a good movie. And I think the only flaw in the movie is there's the, uh, there's the evil character. Well, there's two flaws. So you have the evil character who's like uh, the Samuel L. Jackson of um, what's the Avengers team that, that he's head of? Anyways, uh-huh. it's, it's, he's like the head of the government like alien tracking thing. Right. So this character, this character has two flaws. One, when you first see him, he has this weird tick, which I'm sure they thought was awesome, <laughs> where he's just like continually throwing these mints or this gum into his mouth. And then he just mysteriously stops doing that. Right, so that would oh, so they just they're like this isn't working. Get yeah, rid of this. yeah, like like uh, like there is man, what book was I reading? There's a book I think it's is it Black Todd? No, no, it's anyways. This is book Big Machine, which is kind of an okay book. And there's this one character that's like this Belgian meth dealer, and he like has this bad habit of just constantly eating uh, Butterworth candies, which is that's fun. Anyways, they don't evolve that, and then two. Like this evil, this evil guy. You really want him to turn into one of those misunderstood evil people. Oh, okay. And he's actually just like going through all this heinous shit because he's like, you know what? If I don't do heinous stuff, the predators are going to come and take over the earth. Right. Which is, well, I won't spoil anything. But he never like becomes a good person because of the mission he's on, and that's a real missed opportunity in the movie. But other than that, great characters in the movie, like fun plot. It's even got a kid that's not annoying. And, uh, you know, everything turns out well in the end. And, and, and the, uh, it's, it's really good. It's, uh, you should just check that movie out. So right, with that... Just, I, no, I want to bring it all together. Ahead. I was just looking here. So you can get the four DVD bum, or uh, Blu-ray bundle of all the Predator movies oh. for 24 bucks, And then you could use Movie Whoa, Anywhere. Oh, that's a steal. Movies Anywhere to make sure you had this available in your digital yeah. library forever that ain't no 1995 yeah, a movie right so just there. go for it right there yeah yeah it's a good it's a good it's a good show 
Well, with that, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. You can get this episode at softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 164. Well, I guess you've already gotten this episode, but you can go to the show notes and you can see all the other uh, episodes at softwaredefinedtalk.com, of course. You should go there to join our Slack channel. We have a newsletter that basically we'll email out every week um, when we post an episode. It is does. That, is that right? It does. It's good info. And I think, I think if, if you're really bored and you've done everything, what you should do now is go follow us on Instagram where we put pictures in and there. And you're going to see, hey, Instagram count. It's going to be lively today. Right. This That's is the right. day to subscribe. So with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye.